One of my wife and I's uh, favorite pastimes that we have done ever since we've gotten married is just go for walks. Uh, we did it uh, when Leslie was pregnant. We did it with the kid in the stroller, even though it was snowing. And just and so last night we did the same thing. We went for a walk, and we went. Uh, we, were, we were heading down out towards out of town by the cemetery, and sometimes we'd go walking down the hills. Well, we saw Amanda out sitting on our porch, and so the kids are screaming at the kids, and so we, we decided to go that direction. And so while we're while uh, while they're talking, me and Joe are talking, and then uh, Joe's got a weed whack around the church, and so I come and join the women, like, okay, it's time to go. I mean, we've already had our hour-long discussion. Speed it up. Well, one of the things that they're discussing is uh, the a hazard around of living in Plevna, of the snakes, which I have no idea really about that because when we got here, the snakes had already went to sleep, and I, I haven't seen a snake. But I heard there's rattlesnakes because it's near fields, but there's also some other kind of snake, like a, a bolo snake. Is that right, a bolo snake? It looks kind of like a rattlesnake. It has a similar kind of markings, makes the same kind of sounds. And so that's that's you know running through my head you know, kind of all night about what we have to look forward to. They said if you keep your grass trimmed, hopefully that will, problem will be less. But I got to thinking, let's just say in the next couple of weeks, all these snakes decide it's time to wake up, and they come out and they start squirming through the yards. And my kid, Caleb, has no idea. He's never seen a rattlesnake or a bull snake. And, oh, you have. Okay, well, there's, he doesn't know the difference. And so he goes, and he's, he's one of the tough kids that might actually pick up a snake. Me, I don't care what kind it is. I'm not touching it. But let's just say Noah or, or Caleb decides to pick up the snake, and it's the wrong snake. It's a rattlesnake. And it bites him. And Noah realizes immediately, wow, this was not the right snake to pick up. He comes running inside and says, Dad, you got to get Caleb. Uh, what do you think I'm going to do? What would you do if your kid, you're out in the fields, and you're picking up a hay bale or you're just walking through the flower fields, and all of a sudden the snake bites you? You're probably going to do the same thing I am. I mean, I don't care what you do. I'm going to stick my kid in the car, and I'm going to drive like a maniac all the way to Baker as fast as I can. I don't care what the speed limit is. I'm going to get my kid the help that he needs. Now, I've heard of this happening with uh, people who are expectant parents. Uh, I have I actually have two stories of, of people that I know personally who were speeding or having issues to get to the hospital because they, their wife was expecting. My sister, who's going to be here in a couple of months, she had her first kid two years ago. Well, a new dad and a new mom who is, this is all a brand new experience going down. I mean, the contractions come and it's freaky. I mean, my wife had two C-sections, so I didn't have to worry about this, but I can only imagine the pain and I, how do I get you to the hospital and get in the car and just, because who wants to deliver a baby? I mean, I, I have no intentions of ever doing that. I, I know there are people who do that, but I, I don't want to do that. And, and in the car especially, so he's speeding down the road. And what do you expect happens? Woo! He gets pulled over. Well, my other friend, uh, his name is Tim. Him and his wife, Lisa, were, were driving down the road. And I don't think they were speeding, but he had a headlight that was out. And guess what? It's almost dark. He gets pulled over. Now, what did the police officers do in both those situations? You know what they did? They took out this big, fat ticket book, and they started saying, let me see your driver's license. Let me see your insurance. Let me go check and run all this stuff through, and here's your big, fat chick. No, they didn't. They're like, okay, go. She's having a baby. It's obvious you need to get to the hospital. 
It's like it doesn't even matter. I mean, be safe about it. Some of, I think for my friend who's with a headlight out, I think he called ahead and said, hey, there's a woman coming who's having a baby. Cops, if you see him, let him go because he's not speeding, but he needs to get to the hospital. Is that what you would do? You know, also, you know, if you were to go if, in the wintertime, I know we just had winter, but if you were driving down a country road and you're, you slid off the road and there's no way to get your car out of the ditch, it's blizzardy, you can't stay in your car, and you, you just go walking down the, uh, the road and you got your hood over your head and you're walking and you, you finally get to a house. And you, you, you knock on the door and you're freezing and no one's answering. How many people are going to just sit outside the door on the doorsteps and freeze to death and wait for that person to get home? How many people are going to go walking down the road and hope that the next house is closer and I can actually get inside that house? How many people are going to break in? I'm going to find a loose window or a door or something because I need to get in. Because uh, my human need is more important to me than what the law says about breaking and entering. I'm not going to let that stop me. In today's passage, we come across Jesus and we come across the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, Jesus is in a position where he is going to break a man-made written rule. The Pharisees say, you know what? It's more important that you keep the rule than uh, the human. The, the law is more important than the human. And Jesus turns around and says, no, wait a second, guys. You're wrong. Uh, the human life is more important than the law. Now, this, this law that the Pharisees are talking about is the Sabbath day. And we all look at that and go, really? I don't even really know what that is. I know it's the seventh day of the week and they're not supposed to work. But we don't have that. We, we know that uh, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. But when you come to the Sabbath, it's like, what do we do with that? Because we don't celebrate the Sabbath every week, right? We don't uh, stop at 6 p.m. On, on Friday and do no work until 6 p.m. on Saturday night. We, we go, really, what is that? So we, I need to give you a little history lesson, which was the history lesson I learned about the Sabbath and why the Pharisees might have taken this so seriously. The first mention of this is, of the idea of the Sabbath is in Exodus 16. When the Israelites are out in the desert and they want to go each day, they're supposed to go collect manna for that day's food. Jesus would, or God would drop the, the manna from the sky. They'd go out each morning, they'd pick it up and they'd, they'd make their meal. But when it came to the Sabbath, God said, you know what? Uh, you guys pick up a double portion the day before because on the Sabbath, when you guys get out there, there's not going to be anything there for you. Most of the people listen, but just like the human race, there are some people who decided, I'm going to go out on the morning of the Sabbath anyway, and there's nothing there. God gets very upset about that because he's like, why can't you people just listen and follow to what I'm saying? Now, maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. The main, the, the first Main, uh, when we think of the Sabbath, we think of what I kind of quoted a little bit in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, it's one of the, it's the fourth commandment. And as was pointed out to me, uh, by my father was there's four verses for the, for the Sabbath. And there's, uh, the other ones like you shall not murder has four words. You shall not kill. I mean, you shall not steal has four words. The Sabbath has four verses. It's the fourth commandment. So this is, Obviously, a big deal to God, and it's supposed to be a big deal to the people. So Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. 
neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so you have one of the Ten Commandments that the Jews are like, we got to follow these things. But it gets, there's even more of that. If you were to break the Sabbath day, you could be put to death. In Exodus 31, it talks about that's the punishment. And you, if we go to Numbers chapter 15, we find out that it's actually really carried out. It wasn't just a, a threat. There's something that they broke the law, and that was the punishment. So Numbers 15, verses 32 to 36. It says, while the Israelites were in the desert, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded him. Wow. All I did was pick up a few sticks, and I'm going to die for that. And it, it doesn't say why. It doesn't say because his wife asked him to. It doesn't say because he didn't care what God says. He just broke the commandment that you were not supposed to do this. And so that's one thing the Pharisees are going to know, that this was a, a law you could die for. And so this was a very big deal. Uh, you find in Nehemiah that uh, they were... that. They weren't even supposed to buy and sell about uh, on the on the Lord's day. Let me see if I can find Ezra Jeremiah. Let me see. Oh, I can't think of where it's at or the the spot I'm at. But the idea was that they were not. Uh, Nehemiah told them, "Hey, if you guys show up on the Sabbath day." that we're going to just shut the doors. You guys are not even supposed to be selling and buying goods on the Sabbath day. And then you find out that Nehemiah goes out to these guys, and he says, if you come out here again, I'm going to lay my hands on you because you're not supposed to be selling on the Sabbath day. I wish I could find where that's actually at in here. But he, he says, I mean, it was, it was a big deal. He says, I'm going to lay my hands on you. I don't know if I'm going to beat you with a stick. I don't know what I'm going to do, but you guys are going to get it if you uh, even buy and sell land on the, or goods on the Sabbath. Back in Exodus uh, chapter 25, you find that there were the the the, uh, the land was also supposed to even get a Sabbath day's rest, I mean, and that would be a whole year where they were not supposed to be working the Sabbath. So it's a big deal to the Jewish people that they did not work on the Sabbath. But also, you find that. In Isaiah, you find out that there was actually a blessing for keeping the Sabbath. Isaiah 56, verse 2, because I mean, it sounds like a big death threat for breaking the Sabbath, but God also had uh, positives for if you did find it, or if you did follow it. Isaiah 56, verse 2 says, Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. If you were to keep the Sabbath, God was going to bless you for that. In 58 verses 13 through 14, it says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day holy, 
and honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not by doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to rise on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of the of your father, Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you guys will follow the Sabbath, I have spoken it. You will be blessed. And so, the, so all of a sudden, this, this something that's really small, that's like the Sabbath day, I don't really know what to do with it to us, is a great big deal to all these people. And in Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, which is where we're going to spend most of our time at, the Pharisees are upset because they think Jesus is flagr- flagrantly, like he is on purpose trying to break the law, and they want nothing to do with it. They, they, they think it's completely wrong, and Jesus like I said, he's going to show them that, in fact, he is keeping the law, and they're the ones who are out of, out of line. So Luke chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick up some of the heads of the grain and rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, to us, that may look like an issue, right? If I'm going to walk through someone's fields and I'm going to start picking their crop, what's that sound like? It kind of sounds like stealing, right? Right, It sounds like stealing. I'm taking something that doesn't belong to me. But the, the uh, Pharisees, they have no issue with that because they, they know what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 23. It actually makes allowance for this kind of thing. Deuteronomy chapter 23. Let's see, 23, it helps if you underline certain things. Yeah, 23 verses uh, 24 and 25, it says, If you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you not put a sickle to it, to his standing grain. So there's allowance made. If you're walking through somebody's field and you're hungry, it's okay to take a little bit. Just don't get out your sickle and start cutting down the wheat and don't start shoving your pockets full of their, their, their grapes, or their corn, or whatever it is that they're going. You can take just enough to eat because that's what you need right now. The issue that the Pharisees have is that this is on the Sabbath day that you're doing this. How dare you do this? Because on the Sabbath day, you are not supposed to work. Now, when, you read, when we read Exodus 20 about the Sabbath, it, it didn't say specifically what counted as work and what didn't. So the the Pharisees decided we're going to make our own rules about what is okay and what is not okay to do. So according to the Pharisees, these disciples broke four different laws. And there's, let me me say, let me back this up. They made their own Jewish book. It's called the the Mishnah. And it it had 39 different rules for the Sabbath. Jesus said, thou shalt not do any work. They had 39 different rules for the Sabbath and each one had like sub points to it. And so you, you would have an incredible amount of rules that would keep you from, that you can get in trouble for. So the four rules that they broke uh, were, um, I'm trying not to give you too much irrelevant information. I give myself more information and then I try to decide sometimes what not to say. Uh, but by plucking, they were reaping. That was a no-no. So just by actually picking it, by rubbing it in their hands, like if you have wheat and you're rubbing it in your hands, that was no-no because you're threshing. And by blowing away the chaff, you're winnowing, and by eating it, you're showing that you have just prepared a meal for yourself. And so the Pharisees 
were very upset about the fact that these disciples had eaten anything because they had to do a little bit of work in order to get there. There were other things that they could do, but they didn't decide to do those things. Uh, And Jesus, he doesn't argue. He doesn't stop there and say, wait a second, you guys made all these man-made rules, and here's what's wrong with them. He says, okay, let's look at a situation from the Bible of somebody that you guys know and somebody that you guys give credit to and see what he did. And that's where we read the next three verses about a man named David who had eaten some bread that was not supposed he was not supposed to eat, but these Pharisees had no problem with that. So Luke chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, it says, Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them all, The, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus, all these Pharisees have to be somewhere in the neighborhood. Jesus is walking through the fields. He's, they're picking this grain. And the Pharisees are, are calling him out on it. He goes, wait a second. Why don't you guys look at, look at the history of the Bible? Because that priest, he did have bread. And he had bread that David and his men were not supposed to eat, but he gave it to them anyway. Why did David do that? Now, when, when they would have, they would have like a, like a, we'll just picture a table like this and be made out of gold. And it would have 12 loaves of bread on it, one for each tribe of Israel. And each Sabbath morning, loaves of bread would be brought there to be given to the, would be given for the priest. They have to be, it was an offering to God. But since the priest did not make any money, I mean, you didn't have like a side job and I'm a part-time priest and a part-time farmer. You just served the God. Whatever came uh, to, to be sacrificed, that's kind of how you made your living. That's how you kept going was because of the, the sacrifices that were offered to you or offered to God was what the Israelites got to eat. And so there's, there's 12 of them. And David comes and says, we need five of them. So First Samuel chapter 21, we, we, we find this happening. First Samuel chapter uh, 21 verses 1 through 6. We get a little bit of the whole story of what, of what was going on with David. It says, during the reign of David, there was a famine. I'm sorry. Man. That's 2 Samuel. Okay, I'm close. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. It says, David went to Nob, to the town of Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech trembled when he met him, and he asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech, the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me in a certain place. Now then, do what you have on hand. What do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But it says in verse 4, But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread. I don't just have any kind of bread in my cupboard that I can give you. I can only give you special bread, the consecrated bread provided that the men have kept themselves from the women. And David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, just as usual whenever I set out. The men's things are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. So there was only, there was 12 loaves of bread, and it was supposed to be there for a whole week as an offering to God. 
once that week was up, the priest could take that bread and they could eat that. But another set of 12 was placed there on the altar as a reminder to the people of God's provision and God's uh, and, and leading, everything that God did for them was supposed to be reminding of them, be a reminder to them when they saw this bread. And so the people, so David, he's, he's technically breaking the law because, like I said, that was, bread was only for the priest. David was not a priest. He was not supposed to be eating that. But, but the, the priest gave David the bread. Well, why did he do that? Because David's request, David's human need trumped what the law said. David wasn't in a, in a position where he should have been able to eat that, but the, the priest of Nob said, you know what? You're more important than what this rule says, and so he gave it to them. So David, so Jesus is telling the Pharisees, human need trumps what the law says. Now this is, this is um, a clear, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 7, when you read the same story, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have the same story, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 7, you find that Jesus is telling the Pharisees, if you guys had only understood what was meant in Isaiah 6, 6, it says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The Pharisees were all about the rules. Jesus was all about the showing mercy to these people. The, the Pharisees missed the point. The law, just like the, the, the speed limit down the road, was meant to help us. We weren't, we weren't made to follow the law. The law was put there to help us. And the same thing applies with this, with, with keeping the Sabbath. It was supposed to be something. It was supposed to be a blessing to them. It wasn't supposed to be this oppressive thing that I can't follow that is controlling my life. I'm supposed to be able to follow God and, and do this as an, a demonstration of that. But this isn't the only time that Jesus runs into these Pharisees. They seem satisfied or, or dumbfounded or something where they have nothing else to say to Jesus, so they leave. But you find out that on another Sabbath, verses 6 through 11, you find that Jesus is running into these Pharisees, and he's running into a different but similar situation. In verse 6 through 11, it says, On another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with a shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up there and stood in front of them. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he was completely healed. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So this guy's there. His hand doesn't work because he's, he's had an accident. He grew up that way. There's something that's causing this right hand not to work. And Jesus walks in there. And these Pharisees are just looking. They're waiting to see, Jesus, what are you going to do? We know, what you've are, we, we know what you said last week with eating, with breaking the Sabbath according to their own standards. And so what are you going to do this time? They're waiting for a chance. How can we trick Jesus? How can we catch Jesus? Because at this point, they do not like Jesus. So Jesus, he knows what they're thinking. He says, hey, why don't you guys come up? He says to the man, why don't you come up here in front of everybody? We're not going to hide this. We're going to make this plain and obvious. You get up here, and Jesus talks to them and says, is it right to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? 
in the, in the account in Matthew, verses 11 and 12, it, Jesus even brings up the fact if your sheep falls into a pit, are you going to leave it there? I mean, aren't you guys going to help your sheep out? And, and Jesus knows the Pharisees are going to, they're going to have that much of a heart that they would help this sheep or help this man out of a pit. But when it came to this, they, they didn't uh, agree with that. There was also some really, really strict Jewish teaching in the Qumran that said, sorry, sheep, you fell into that hole. You're stuck there because I can't help you. Sorry, man, you fell into that hole. I can't help you. You couldn't, even if your calf was coming out backwards and it was not going to live, you couldn't lift your hand. Sorry, ranchers, your calf was just going to die because you couldn't lift your hands to help your calf because that was doing work and you were going to gain from that. People were so strict on not keeping, uh, so strict on keeping the Sabbath that they wouldn't even do that. And Jesus says, Pharisees, you guys would even help this animal out of a pit. And how much more valuable is a man than an animal? So Jesus heals the man. And any, you, I'm sure everybody would hear, if you had the ability to heal somebody, you would do that, right? It wouldn't matter what day, it wouldn't matter what place, it wouldn't matter what time. You would heal a man because you had that ability. You wouldn't care really what the law says. But for these guys, he broke the law. I mean, they were so strict that if you, you couldn't heal somebody on the Sabbath. I mean, if you had a cold or if you had something wrong with your eye, there was life, then it was okay to heal somebody on the Sabbath or to do medical work. Otherwise, you were doing work, so it didn't matter. But otherwise, if, if it was not life-threatening, you just had to wait till the next day to, to get the help that you needed. And it's incredible that people would act that way towards other people. The law was so important that it didn't even matter what was going on in somebody's physical life. The law was more important. But we would say that the human need trumps the law. Somebody's gotten shot. We got to get him to the doctors. I don't care what the speed limit is. I'm starving. I, I know it's wrong to steal, but I want to live. And so I'm going to steal. That's, that's the mentality that people have. Jesus is telling them that following what I teach or following what the meaning of the of the of what the word of God says is more important than trying to follow all these laws. Because this is not the first time that Jesus has ever healed on the Sabbath. We've looked out in the past in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus cast out a demon on the Sabbath. The Pharisees would be like, that's work, that's work. Jesus is, now he's... Uh, it, we've seen him heal a man on the Sabbath when they, they let the man who was a paralytic through the roof. We've seen, uh, now we see him healing a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. We're going to see in the future where Jesus does even more. There's going to be a, a lady who's crippled, who's bent over, that Jesus is going to heal on the Sabbath. There's going to be a guy who's suffering from dropsy who's going to heal on the Sabbath. And what we're going to find is what the, the Pharisees are going to be like, look, guys, you have six days of the week to come and get healed. Come and do it then. It, not today, because this is the Sabbath, and that's work. Because they were so focused on all these, these rules and regulations that I'm supposed to keep that they forgot about the person behind them. And Jesus also proved that he was going to go against what the Pharisees thought on a regular basis because we've looked at uh, Jesus healing a leper. That would be something that the Pharisees would say, that's against the law, you, you don't get away. Those people have to stay away. But Jesus was willing to touch one. We see that Jesus is willing to forgive sins. We see that Jesus is eaten with tax collectors and sinners. All these things that the Pharisees are so bent on being religious and keeping these laws would have nothing to do with, but they totally missed the point of mercy 
is more important than trying to keep the rules. And that's what Jesus is trying to explain to the disciples as well as to the, the Pharisees. Okay, so we don't have the, the uh, we don't have the Sabbath day. I mean, this would be a real easy message to say, yep, boy, I can't believe those people wouldn't show mercy on the Sabbath. If they would say, wow, it's more important to, to, to keep these rules than it is to keep the Sabbath. We, we, we look at that and say, we don't understand that. So what does this actually have to do with us? Well, I told you in Matthew, Jesus quoted from Hosea 6.6. 6, he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus desires that we show grace and compassion to each other, to the outside world, more than trying to keep these rules and these holidays and these Bible studies and going to church on Sunday. He's more in, interested in how we show mercy to each other to those around us. But Jesus does desire mercy. He showed that he desired mercy because he healed people even when it went against the rules. He was willing to touch the leper. He was willing to, to, uh, to heal people with every kind of disease and sickness because he was willing to show mercy. He desires mercy. We need to show mercy to people as well. And I'm sure you can figure out what does that mean and how to show mercy to people. The sacrifice is also important. Jesus didn't just say, okay, you just run around showing mercy to everybody and completely forget the Sabbath. He said, when you come down to the two, the better thing to do is to show mercy as opposed to trying to keep all the laws. So we also need to follow what God's word says. We still need to love our enemies. We still need to pay our taxes. We still need to go to church and learn his word. Or we still need to be involved in ministry. All these things that God says in his word are important, but it's also important to make sure we're showing mercy to each other as well as to everybody else. But when it comes down to the two, mercy is more important than sacrifice. Now, it's a lot easier to do the stale thing of, I, I, I went to church, I, I paid my tithe, I, I mowed the lawn, I, I helped it. Every, every, every part of ministry that you could possibly do, I went to the Bible study because that's just something that it's like, it's, it's more concrete, more black and white. When you've got to show mercy, what makes it hardest people? Because you've got to show mercy to somebody that you think, I don't like this person. I don't think this person deserves my mercy. But we all have to turn around and say, look at the mercy that God gave us that we did not deserve. And the best thing I can do is I can give you an illustration of what I have learned as far as mercy being better than sacrifice. And it has to do with the Awana program. I, I've been a, uh, a leader in Awana. This is my 20th year of being a leader in Awana. And this is a lesson that's been a long time coming. I've, I, I've been in Awana uh, since I was about seven or eight years old, and I'm 38. So I have about 30 years of Awana, which... That's not supposed to impress anybody what to do. It's just, shame on you, thick-headed. How could it take you that long to kind of get the understanding of mercy over sacrifice? But the way I grew up with Awana and the way that the Awana program works is that you have, you have to pass a section. Usually it's a couple of verses, and you have to pass both those verses. You get a total of two helps to say the reference and the verse. And maybe, And I know that's not the way it works everywhere, but that's the way... Awana really originally set it up. You have to pass a section. You have to say two verses with only two helps. And so that's the way I grew up. I, I, my parents said, you've got to pass two sections every week. And I don't think they're being really, you know, like, pharisaic about it. It was just, if you're going to get through your book, you've got to do two a week. And so that's 
what I did. And uh, my wife has been trying and trying and trying to open my eyes for like the last five years on, on this issue. She didn't present it quite like this, but um, that what's, what's the goal of Awana? Um, I need a kid to come up here who can tell me 2 Timothy 2.15. Come on up here. If you can tell it to me, come up here and tell me 2 Timothy 2.15. You can just turn around and just say it as loud as you want. Thank you. 2 Timothy 2.15, in the version I know, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. That's the one key verse. Does it say you've got to pass two sections? Does it say that you have to say two, two verses and, the, and the, the definitions all at one time with a total of two helps? No. But that's the way I started getting my, I even, uh, I know, I, I can only imagine what was really going through Scott's head. Uh, one, cause Caleb, Noah's really good at passing sections. He just does it without even trying. Caleb, it's a little bit harder. And I told Caleb, I said, you gotta pass two sections a week or you miss your week for the week. And I know, I just can only imagine Scott's thinking like, what is this guy? I mean, this is like ultra nuts that he would do that. But that's what I started doing because I'm like, that's the way it works. That's just the way you're supposed to do it. And Leslie finally said, Josh, you know what? Kind of like look at the book. She says, I'm happy if he passes like two verses. Because the point is not just getting through your book. That's what I want to, they want to give you a guideline. This is what you're supposed to do. But that's, that's not the point. The point isn't getting through the book. Because you can crumb, say every verse crummy and get through a book. Or you can learn one verse a night and you can get that signed off and you can learn it really well. And you can remember it for the rest of your life. And that was God saying, hey, or through Leslie saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's not about the program. It's not about the rules. It's about what these kids are learning. It's about showing people love and compassion. Following God is not about keeping the rules. There are things in here we need to do, but God's more interested in how we show compassion to each other. And so I challenge you to do that this week, just like I've been challenged to do that as well. It's just I learned it a few weeks ago, thankfully, instead of, right up here while I'm talking about it. So I would challenge you, when it comes down to choosing between doing something religious and showing compassion to people, show compassion because that's what Jesus did for us. And that's what he wants us to do for others. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, God, for your mercy. God, because you could have made it about a bunch of rules that we have to keep to show that we're good enough to get to heaven. Like the Pharisees who tried to do that. They tried to show that they were good enough, and they couldn't do that. And I know, God, I can't do that because I don't even come close to living up to the standards that they did. I thank you, God, that you showed me mercy, and I pray that you'd help me to show mercy to the people around us. Um, For people who go to work, I pray that we can show mercy to them, for our own kids, for our own spouses, God, for our neighbors, that we'd be willing to show them the love that you would show us and the love that they need, and they could see you living through us. I just pray for your help to do that this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.